Hello everyone and welcome to episode 4 of Something to Live For, a podcast slash audiobook where new chapters will be released every other Thursday night. My name is Alex Lawrence and I've been developing this story for coming up two years now. Uh, I originally released the first 10 or so chapters via the website and then as an ebook, but I've now decided to release it as a podcast. The ebook will then be released once the podcast has been completed. Uh, new episodes are available via iTunes and Stitcher along with SoundCloud. Uh, and I'd be very grateful if you could leave a review, as that really does help the podcast reach a wider audience. Uh, please do keep the feedback coming. Uh, I'm really pleased with those of you that got in touch uh, and you liked the new in-character recap intro, so uh, that'll be here to stay. Uh, the Lisp comments seem to be less frequent, although I do wonder if you were just giving me a week off after I announced the passing of my nan. Uh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Um, thanks to everyone who got in touch as well and offered their sympathies. Uh, the funeral's in a couple of weeks uh, and I'll leave some details at the end of the episode detailing how, if you'd like to, uh, you can make a donation to Cancer Research UK in her honour. Now, you two can get involved with your feedback and theories on the Facebook page, which is www.facebook.com slash something to live for series. Uh, and please do subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. So, my lady friend is at work again. My two youngest boys are upstairs in bed. Uh, and my idiot dog has planted himself on my lap for this one. So I do apologise if you hear his collar wriggling around. This story contains material that some listeners may find distressing or disturbing. So listener discretion is advised. Twenty days ago, my wife and son were killed. On my way to my friend Daniel's house, I killed one of the fuckers that killed him. Then I was confronted by Sarah, who by some awful coincidence, shares my wife's name. We loaded up on peanut butter, cigarettes and Imodium, but our journey was cut short by a fucking contamination zone. Fuck! I think this is the only road that can get us to Daniel's. Everything was going far better than I'd expected it to, so this isn't a surprise, but it's a massive setback. I've got a friend who lives around here, and I'm sure she was on her honeymoon, so her house will be empty. Why don't we set up there for now and we can work out a new plan? Sarah was trying to be helpful. The house is a decent-sized semi in a cul-de-sac, with a detached garage that might come in handy for some more weapons to add to my growing collection. I cringe again as I break the glass to the back door and bring the bags in from the car. Sarah's already sat at the breakfast bar with an AA roadmap of the UK plotting out our next steps. Do you have any other friends or family nearby? She asked without raising her head from the map. My parents are a few hours away but I didn't get any replies to my text before it all went down. At this point it hit me that Daniel was the only person I actually wanted to find despite knowing plenty of people through work and university and school. When the world went to shit and you can't see every moment on Facebook, they're very much out of sight and out of mind. 
What about you? No, it was, it was just me and my parents. I knew a few girls from work, but I only really had a small circle of friends. Could we not just stay here? For now, but I don't want to be too close to that contamination area. Maybe we can go towards the coast and find somewhere safe to settle down. I'm pretty sure I heard that in a film once, and that's where Harry Potter went in the last two films to interrogate the goblin. If it's good enough for the boy who lived, it's good enough for me. Thanks for saving me, she paused. You didn't ever tell me your name. No, I, I didn't. And I don't know why I don't want to. I honestly don't. What's wrong with me? Well, what shall I call you then? I don't know why I'm saying this. It's Milo. It hasn't even been 24 hours since I left the comfort of my home and I'm already shacked up with a woman and I'm using my son's name. I didn't expect the day to go like this. But then, I didn't expect to survive the day really, so I can't be too disappointed. Sarah talks a lot, but not about anything in particular. She'll ask me a question and doesn't seem too bothered whether I answer it or not. Earlier on, she asked what I did for a living before all of this, and before I could bore her with my tales of running a busy builder's merchant, she was telling me how much she hated working in a call centre. She's one of those cunts who calls to see if she's had an accident in the last three years. She wasn't in a rush to be further along with her career, even though she was 24. I still think she looks more like 22, so maybe she took the opportunity of the apocalypse to sound a bit more mature by adding a couple of years. Who's going to check? Fuck, I'm using a fake name for goodness sake. I didn't think to pack any candles, and we couldn't find any in the house, so we've been sitting in the top bedroom where the moon's shining in. It looks huge, and it gives just enough light to be able to read the roadmap if we stand by the window. We still haven't decided where to go. We've got all the cliches close by. A prison, farms, an army base, and a derelict warehouse estate. We can't work out if they're cliches for a reason, because they're the safest places to go, or if that's where everyone will be, and if so, it's probably carnage there now. We're able to discuss the idea of death quite easily when it doesn't involve people that we know. We've both spent so long assuming the world outside us is over that it was a foregone conclusion that so many people would be dead. Oh, shut up, you twat! What the fuck was that? I whispered, my eyes widening. It came from out the front. I'm not a twat, you lardy prick! We tiptoed to the front bedroom and peek our heads up to the window. It's much darker on this side of the house. We have to be careful not to bump into the furniture. It's a tidy house, but the furniture and the decoration is a little out of date. Lots of mahogany. These cunts are going to get us killed, Sarah said under her breath. Two men, one tall and gangly, the other quite fat but even taller, were walking down the middle of the street without a care in the world, just like it was a Friday night out on the piss. Do they know we're in here? No, they can't do. Where are they going? Where have they been? Do they know the world's been taken over by these killer fucking bastards? They're wearing uniform. Maybe they're from the contamination zone, Sarah noticed. I hadn't, because I was too busy noticing that the fat one was holding some sort of machine gun over his shoulder. I think you're right. Fatty's holding a gun. Should we ask him for help? 
Sarah didn't sound like she wanted to. It's too risky. First impressions and all. I wouldn't have gone near him 20 days ago when there was law and order, so I'm not particularly keen now. I'm not a snob, and I never was. But there are people I know I just won't get along with. Alpha males. Large groups of men who fight and shag girls and drink beer and slap each other on the back a lot. That's not me. Give me a quiet pub and a couple of mates to sit and chat with. These two loud pricks are not my kind of people. At least we know we're not the only two people in the world left and it's down to us to completely repopulate the planet. She paused and realised what she said. Sorry. Shit joke. I hadn't even looked at her like that. I couldn't bring myself to. Until now, I haven't even really looked at her properly. She has a very pretty face, even if she isn't wearing any makeup. Her eyes really are piercing. They're the same colour as a blue smarty. Even though there's less than ten years between us, I feel like we're a lifetime apart. And I've been treating her more like a little sister or a niece. I think it's best it stays that way. Yeah, shit joke. Don't worry about it. They don't look like they're in charge or anything, but I think we should avoid them and move them on in the morning. I agree. What's the tattoo on your collarbone? I ask as we softly return to the back room trying to change the subject. Oh, it's silly. I don't really like it. I got it a couple of years ago on a girl's holiday. She was blushing in the moonlight. What is it? I've got Marvin the Martian on my shoulder. It can't be worse than that. She laughed. I think it might be. She pulled her left arm through her sleeve so it was through the neck of her top. Yep, yours is definitely worse. I don't know how I thought it was a flower. It looks like it was drawn by a five-year-old. Is that who I think it is? Probably not. What were you thinking? It really is the worst tattoo I've ever seen. Well, I obviously wasn't. Why else would someone get Mick Hucknall's face tattooed on their collarbone? Fucking hell. I thought it was ginger spice. I get that a lot. It's one of the many poor choices I made on my first girl's holiday. I had an appointment in July to get it removed over six sessions. Probably won't bother with that now. Why Marvin the Martian? Why not? The truth is that Milo had a Marvin the Martian teddy that he slept with every night of his little life. I won it in a grabber machine when Sarah and I went to the beach during her pregnancy. She was about eight months and we agreed that it would definitely be his favourite teddy. We were right. He took it everywhere. It's still in Sarah's car. I've never heard a real-life gunshot. Only TV gunshots. And I don't think you can appreciate how fucking loud they are until you do. Especially when there's hundreds of them. I've been lying awake for two hours while Sarah was sleeping. I've only managed about three hours a night since, you know. That's when the barrage of bullets started. Sarah shot up. And I had to grab her so she didn't scream. She's shaking like a shit washing machine. I tell her to stay where she is and I creep into the front bedroom. Sarah, I whisper, you need to come and see this.
So there is episode four, and the big reveal of our main character's name. Sort of. Uh, it feels like a longer episode than the previous two, but I could be wrong. I haven't, uh, haven't yet seen the timestamp. Um, as always, though, please go and like the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash something to live for series. Get involved with your theories and throw me some feedback. On the website, you can still find... Uh, through the Facebook page, there's a list of songs that I would listen to while I was writing, and they would sort of shape the story. Last week's homework was to listen to The Ecstasy of Gold by Ennio Morricone, uh, and I had a few Metallica fans get in touch with me, uh, expressing their love for it, uh, as it's their walk-on music when they play live. This week, uh, I want you to fire up your Apple Music or Spotify or YouTube or whatever, uh, and listen to Experience by Ludovico Einaudi. Uh, I've probably butchered <laughs> butchered the name there. Uh, it's a beautiful and frantic piece of music from This Is England 90, which, if you haven't watched it, I'd recommend the whole series, uh, starting right back with the film. Um, the, whiny mu- uh, the whiny violins, they sound like they're in, in just real pain, uh, while the gentle panic piano plays out constantly. If you need a good cry, stick it on uh, and just let it take you. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, if you would like to make a donation uh, to Cancer Research UK uh, in memory of my nan, uh, I have posted a link onto the Facebook page uh, where you can do so. Thank you again for listening, um, and I will see you all in two weeks for episode five of Something to Live For.